2: Hey, Browns fans. Before we get started, I just want to thank the sponsors of today's show, Manly Bands. Get 25% off your entire order at manlybands.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S. Use promo code dogs to get the best wedding rings made for men. And BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month of talk therapy. That's 100% online and 100% on your time. Head to BetterHelp, hel com slash dogs. Use promo code dogs, 10% off your first month. Ken Dorsey was first hired, I know there was like mixed reaction to it. Blake's initial reaction was, this sucks. And then after, you know, I saw a lot of people online, the same thing. Then other people were saying, this is a great hire. After looking into it, you come to realize that he has had some very, very profound success with quarterbacks similar to Deshaun Watson and Cam Newton, Josh Allen. And I think Deshaun Watson is... I I think Josh Allen is a great passer. He has a very strong arm, but I think overall, all the mechanics, all the tools, I think Deshaun Watson's probably the best passer of that group. And I'll kind of get into that because uh, Lance Riesland, who I just read, this is what we're talking about here, this article on Cleveland.com, And he also said that, let me see, his main concerns with Ken Dorsey as the offensive coordinator are one, scheme alignment with Kevin Stefanski And turnovers, he says that Ken Dorsey runs offense with a similar mindset as Stefanski, which we just read his quote on that. That's one reason why he thinks Kevin will give Dorsey the play calling, but it could also be a negative because it doesn't bring the innovation that, you know, we were all hoping for for the offense. But I think we're forgetting about Tommy Reese, and I think Tommy Reese is the guy bringing in some of those college concepts into this pro game, you know, the offense for the Cleveland Browns, so... I think they're doing a really good thing here. They're bringing in smart people into the room, a collective unit. Stefanski, I mean, we hired him as the offensive leader. That, That was his acumen from Minnesota. That's his specialty. So he's still the leader of that offensive unit. You bring in a guy like Ken Dorsey who can also do the same things Kevin can do. He can really help Deshaun Watson elevate his game. And then you get... The college perspective, the innovation from a guy like Tommy Reese, and you bring them all into one. We didn't need to go out and get an offensive coordinator to do all those things. We get people that are very good in their lane and just bring them all into the same room. And I think it was a really smart move by the Browns.
3: Yeah, and whether it ends up being a collaboration to start and then going to Ken Dorsey. I mean, we can't forget about Staley as well. Uh, he's seen and yes. called, uh, had his input in a lot of games also. Uh, what they're going to do in Bill Callahan's stead, I'm not 100% sure, but maybe that's why they interviewed the guy from Seattle. I mean, he's got a lot of O-line experience, so we'll see what happens with that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what I see by hiring him is you got a guy that has success with the quarterbacks that you mentioned and on the outside you're like yeah they run they can pass they got big arms but Deshaun Watson probably is the most accurate of them and that was probably the most uh appealing thing for Ken Dorsey
2: yeah I would think so I'm going to play a clip real quick from that conference this is what Ken Dorsey had to say about uh Deshaun Watson
4: I'm extremely excited to work with this offense um especially you know Deshaun and uh him being one of the top quarterbacks in this league um, the opportunity to really go out there uh, this season and help him prove that, you know, he, he really is that, um, you know, a top quarterback in this league that can operate and and help us win a bunch of football games.
2: So the investment the Browns made in Deshaun Watson obviously was a very big one. So it makes sense that they would want to bring in a guy who they believe can just make sure we get the absolute most out of our quarterback Another thing Lance said here on the kind of negative side of this, he said that if Josh Allen was kind of a turnover machine in Buffalo, let's just call it what it is. And he said if his turnovers were a result of fundamentals, preparedness, and or not understanding the plays, then that all goes back to a coaching issue. Now, if those were a lot of mistakes on Josh Allen's part, just him trying to play hero ball or pressing a little bit just because that's his nature as an athlete, that's one thing. But if those other things were an issue, that could be, you know, on Ken Dorsey, but I I don't necessarily have that fear. What gives me a lot of confidence in having Deshaun Watson paired with Ken Dorsey is that Deshaun Watson has never been a big turnover or mistake-prone type of player. He's... I don't know how many people realize this, but Deshaun Watson has only thrown more than nine interceptions in a full season one time in his career. In 2019, he threw 12. Other than that, in his full seasons, he's thrown nine, seven, and in his rookie season, that was cut short... He only threw eight as a rookie. Josh Allen, on the other hand, only has one season with fewer than 10 interceptions. He threw nine in 2019, but all his other years in the NFL, Josh Allen has 12, 19, 15, 14, and just now in 2023, 18 interceptions.
3: Yeah. look at Joe Flacco. I mean, what do you have 10 and like four of them went for touchdowns? It's not, that's not a good uh, turnover rate, right? You can't be putting points on the board. Uh, he did address the TOs, like you said, or the turnovers, like you said, um, so we don't have a QB coach, so it looks like he was going to fill a lot of that and help develop Deshaun Watson. Uh, Dorsey, just I, I think he won this. He must have a fantastic plan for Deshaun Watson. Like This is a Deshaun Watson hire. They want to make him, and it could be Deshaun Watson just saying to the coach and the, the staff, hey, you know what? I, I'm not there right now. I, I need something more. I need something more than what happened last year, and this could be the reason for this hire.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like the Browns were very, very intricate in their interview process, very specific about what they wanted. And because Ken Dorsey was quoted as saying it was darn near like a root canal to get this job.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, he specifically outlined certain things. So he uh, outlined the RPOs. He outlined the zone read. He said that he has a natural feel to the game. Great instincts and adjusts well is what he specifically said in this. So that's great. So if we can take that to another level, because I feel both the Browns and Deshaun Watson, they want to go to the next level. And this guy outlined that plan to get this job.
2: That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's what we need at the end of the day. Yes. Do I want a, an innovative offense with explosion and, you know, motions and all these, these cool new things that the NFL is doing? Yes. Yes. But what it really boils down to is Deshaun Watson. This, this team will go as Deshaun goes. We're, we cannot, we're not going to have a season like this every year. You cannot yeah. lose your starting quarterback and still find your way to 11-6 and and the number 5 seed in the AFC. It's just this was a great season, a magical season, one we'll always remember, but you cannot bank on this happening all the time. You need your starting quarterback. You need your franchise guy to be at a high level. And, yeah, like we've been saying here, that's what this move is all about. What's up, Ohio? Don't miss out on this fantastic offer from DraftKings for the big game. New customers who sign up with our promo code, THE DOGS, all one word, and place a $5 first bet will instantly receive $200 in bonus bets. You'll get eight $25 bonus bet tokens, allowing you to make multiple wagers with your reward. These tokens are valid for seven days, giving you time to find your favorite bets. If you download the DraftKings app before the big game, make sure to sign up with our code The Dogs to get your $200 of bonus bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify.
4: We obviously – some news dropped about the Browns and stadium renovations and whatnot. Bought a bunch of land over by the Cleveland Airport. I think it's called Brook Park. Um, it, it used to be home – it's home to, like, former Ford Motor factories. It's a giant piece of land. How many acres? One hundred 176. 76 okay. acres, which is a lot of acres. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good for them. Uh, that's expensive. I know how much an acre goes for these days. Yeah, about
5: 20. <laughs> so – About 20 Gs.
4: Uh, <laughs> so that – and then there's speculation. Are they looking to move the stadium outside of downtown? Are they just making this as to try to put pressure on the government in Cleveland uh, to start partnering up some money for stadium renovation? All this good stuff. I didn't realize how bad the Brown Stadium was in terms of condition. I always thought, eh, it's a newer stadium. It looks really nice, like from afar. I get, apparently it's one of those don't look too close because, so we have a dog pack member who, um, I mean, he, he builds buildings in Cleveland. He's working on the Sherwin Williams tower right now. Um, and he, so he knows a lot about like the, the structural integrity of the Browns. I don't know if he worked on it, but he just, or if he knows guys who worked on it. Um, but he says the place is. I mean, don't be afraid to go there, but it's being (laughs) held together a lot by like, there's a lot of stucco tape and bubble gum hole <laughs> and duct tape. Like, so I never realized it was in that bad shape. He said, there's no, like putting a roof on the building in it's current state. not an option is what he is, what he said. Um, so, and he, he's talked about like the ground soil over there. He knows a lot about the stuff up there. So, um, I know the Browns are trying to put pressure on Cleveland government to come up with uh, stuff for this. I know they, the Haslams want to like, reinvigorate the entire shoreline of Lake Erie up uh-huh. there. They have big plans for that. Um, so people who bash on Haslam, I know he's made some mistakes, but the dude is – he he invests a lot in Cleveland. He's trying yeah. to turn Cleveland like sure. into a, a, a spot. So you can't hate on the guy for that. Um, but where do you guys stand in terms of – leave leave it on the lakefront downtown move it move it to brook park or somewhere else i know i've been on the record saying they should move it out of downtown um i've heard people talking about it in our discord peter and kenny mack when it left it downtown where do you guys stand on this
2: do you want me to go justin you go you know what let me go first because you go to games. Okay. you go to every home game so okay. your opinion might be a little stronger than mine i just when i go to games downtown sucks downtown <laughs> blows man the traffic is awful and I love the idea of having it downtown. They need a better logistical system to make it operate better. If if that's part of the plan, okay, cool, keep it where it is or, or renovate it. But I want that. I just want a, a freaking retractable roof. I I'm sure Justin feels the same way. I'll let you talk here in a sec. I don't want to go sit in the the cold and the rain and all that crap. The wind. And I've seen a lot of people actually commenting on our Twitter post about it would be really nice to have a, a closed, you know field where i could actually sell my tickets if i can't go like i know people struggle with that kind of stuff because i know i'm not looking to buy tickets on a december game whenever it's 15 degrees like i don't want to go
4: no there there's a time in that season where i'm like i'll go to games here
2: yep we're not going to games here i know people it's a (laughs) cutoff yeah if anyone's like hey you want to go to browns game this year i'm like well we've only got a couple we can go to yeah what month is it (laughs) yeah after this month (laughs) and maybe we're
5: pussies (laughs)
2: <laughs> maybe oh, but whatever i don't what care. do you what do you think justin <laughs> yeah. what do
5: you... um so I'll, I'll say this i i do like going up up there there is there is a parking problem okay there there's legitimate parking problem if you shell out cash and park like pretty we park over at the courthouse basically and it's nice up there yeah, but i mean time it's expensive there to to get in 839
4: yeah that's that's another yeah. like
5: you're leaving it so for us we leave like seven AM, and, and then you're and you're getting home at seven eight o'clock at night. Grinding
4: like the, you, going to the Browns game shouldn't have to be an, an all day all day event. event. Uh, maybe if I was twenty and I didn't have a wife and a kid, I would do that, and I would love to do that. We got to
5: bring them
2: to oh. the game. Yeah, but <laughs> okay. guess guess who's not paying for the expensive tickets to go to a Browns game? Young people that don't have wives and kids. I'm sorry, like not not. I mean, maybe to a game, but yeah.
4: Like I, I, I can't be going up. I can't be leaving my house at six o'clock in the morning, going up there, getting pissed drunk before, until the game starts sitting there, watching the game, getting stuck in traffic for three hours, leaving the game and not getting home until eight, nine o'clock at night. Right. That, that's, that's a fast track to a divorce. Well, <laughs> you got an
5: open couch for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like
4: I just, I don't have time for that. I w- mm. it, I think, and then they start shutting roads down. For sure, you know if you don't get into Cleveland by eight nine o'clock,
5: mm-hmm. you're
4: you're screwed because they, they start shutting roads down. So then now you're parking three miles from the stadium, or parking you can there. only go around like what Kings Boulevard or something is what it's called, the back way down by the lake, and the traffic for that, that is five miles long, correct? And it moves at a, a snail space. You you won't get into the stadium till the second quarter if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just. I, and and i look around where they give do aerial shots of these other stadiums around the league even other nba arenas and parking. i'm like, and and they got a huge parking lot Yes. and it's the parking is directed you get in there in, a, in an organized fashion you get out in an organized fashion it's well lit <laughs> you know what i mean for a night game you're not just walking back through downtown cleveland like True. hoping True. you don't get mugged and like <laughs> So I understand the talks of leaving it in downtown because getting into downtown sucks. Once you're in downtown, the Good. atmosphere
5: is it's electric. Is electric, yeah, correct? I
4: get that, um, but I don't want to. I, one, I don't want to walk to the stadium two miles in the freezing cold wind. I don't want to sit in the freezing cold wind for four hours and then have to walk two miles back to my car. Mm. Um, I don't want to have to leave at six in the morning so I can get into Cleveland seven hours before game time. Because if you if you try to get into Cleveland two hours before game time, you won't be at the game on time.
5: No, no. If you leave at eleven, like from where where we live, you're you're not getting into Cleveland. You're not even getting into Cleveland.
4: Yes. Let it, alone
5: get close to the stadium and get to the game.
4: So, like you said, if they can if they can do it on the lake, put a roof on it do some construction, make some more ports of entry, buy some more land, put a part, do something to make it more accessible. Then I'm perfectly fine with leaving it where it is. But the accessibility right now, I don't go to more games because I just don't feel like putting up with it.
2: That's yeah. a lot. I mean, you, <laughs> I, you I don't really, feel like doing it. You really got to commit. I mean, you, you, like you said, you have to commit a whole day and it's, I mean, it's just not, I love the Browns. Obviously I'll sit there and watch the entire, I'll start at 12 and I'll go till four. But I got other crap I got to get done right. that day. You know what I mean? And I can't, Now, if, if I was going up to one game a season and it was a whole day event, okay, that's fine. But like right. you said, multiple games, season ticket holders is right. a fast track to divorce unless you're like, Justin, drag your wife along with you. <laughs>
5: right. Yes. Or and your children. I'll <laughs> yeah. say this, though. How do you guys feel, though? So I, no, I don't know anything really about like what's available, like land plottage wise in like, let's say, like a Parma or like Willoughby or like a suburb of Cleveland. I know a lot of people that they're, like, very against that because they want it to still be, like, in the city. They they need it to be in the city. But, like, is anybody – for me, I'm like, okay, so we're 15 minutes closer to to the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I that's the biggest thing for me is, like, once you figure out a plan for getting to the game, you're good. You know what I mean? Like, the first, I would say, season that me and my wife went up – We messed it up so many times we would literally, we wouldn't even get in the game till like halfway through the first quarter. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, it's a loss, you know, at that point it's, it's still fun, but, and then you're waiting, like you said, two hours in a parking deck trying to get out. Like once you get a plan together and you you're good, it's fine. But I, I wouldn't be even against it outside of Cleveland. I love Cleveland. I love going into the city, but I wouldn't be against it being in a suburb or especially if it was just a little bit more organized. Like not, I know it, it might sound
4: crazy, but if you look around the league, most of these stadiums aren't where in they, the city limits. Right? Yes. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like uh, the giants and the jets aren't even in, in new, new York. York. Yeah. In They're Jersey. in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the new, the new uh, Niners stadium is nowhere near. It's not in San Francisco. I forget exactly where it's, it's at. But Santa something, right? Yeah, Santa um, Clara. So I don't know because of accessibility. There's, you know what I mean. So I and listen, I love going to Cleveland. I love being in the driving up, seeing the skyline, getting into Cleveland, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. But I happen to be there seven hours before the game even starts. Is just ridiculous.
2: It is for sure. This episode is sponsored by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, if you missed out on the four chicken breasts and four pork chops that Omaha Steaks was doing here recently, don't worry. You can head to omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, today, and you'll get four free steak burgers added to any order over $99. Plus, if you have an order that's over $149, use code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out. And you'll get $30 off of that order. So, right now is the perfect time to stock up. Load up that cart, guys. Steak, burgers, chicken, jumbo Franks, desserts, ready to eat meals. They got seafood. They've got so many different things at Omaha Steaks and all of it. I've had all of it except for the seafood. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not much of a seafood eater myself. My fiance thinks I'm weird, but that's okay. Everybody is their own person. But the rest of the food, I've had it all, and it is phenomenal. So head to OmahaSteaks.com/slash/dogs right now. Get four free burgers on any order over ninety nine dollars, and use promo code Dogs when you check out on any order over one hundred and forty nine dollars, and get thirty dollars off your order today. OmahaSteaks.com/slash/dogs. Minimum order may apply. So let's talk about David Njoku and Micah Parsons. This was, man, whenever I saw this clip, uh, this whole Cleveland is Cleveland thing, Browns is the Browns. I'm so sick and tired of hearing that. It's such an old trope. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't even apply anymore. And it's just, I almost feel like people say that when they got nothing left to say and it's like, you
3: can't come up with anything better. It's the same. It's the same people that read headlines and comments. They just don't know. I, I mean, being up here in Ottawa, I mean, I tell people I go to Cleveland all the time, and people are like Cleveland, you know, just just on that old adage. And I'm like, have you been there? No. Then then what are you talking about? It's <laughs> it's fantastic. And every time I bring someone, usually when we're crossing the PA line back to uh, Ottawa, they're like, man, when can we go back? You know, that was fun. <laughs> there's some there's some old school bars. Cleveland Stadium's rocking. The tailgate scene's amazing, and you know Cleveland Browns football is back, man. Yeah. You know, like it's it's worst case mediocre, but we're not the Browns as the Browns. You yeah. know, we didn't, especially after this season, the eleven wins that we got that any team would have gave up, and this team did
2: not. No, and I mean, if we would have had to play that last game of the season, it could have easily been twelve wins because it was the Bengals, and we always beat them. So let me play yeah, this. clip. Of what happened at the Pro Bowl in this Madden 24 challenge, this little interaction between Micah Parsons and David Njoku, and then we'll talk about it. Micah, how do you think he did
1: in the first half? I thought he did amazing.
0: Uh, He made great adjustments. (laughs) He obviously showed why Cleveland's Cleveland and Randy
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a crazy shot. That's a crazy shot. Okay, what's that political?
1: (laughs) David, you have an opportunity for a rebuttal here. Obviously, that first half didn't go the way you wanted. It's cool. It's cool.
4: Okay. You understand one thing, you know? And it, excuse my voice, Scott. So- when the losses come with big bosses. Mm-hmm. One thing you know, you got to understand is he said Cleveland to Cleveland, but we're we both
0: we're both here. I mean we're both mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. I think that's a shot. So, you know, I mean, you got to make it make sense. Any person who's ran acting Meek Mill lyrics is like <laughs> I can't take them serious. <laughs> I mean you, I mean, but am I lying though? Nah, you you trying to be lyrical? But do not, not even being get
5: lyrical. Lyrics.
3: I'm saying we're both fitting. Lyrically, in the
1: I'm supposed to represent. He
3: has a good point, bro. We all here. Yep. So what do you say, Cleveland? Cleveland? That was well, uh, Okay,
1: fair enough. Well, well, let's take it back uh, to this game for a second.
2: <laughs> I like what he said at the end there where he says, so what are you saying? Cleveland is Cleveland like Dallas is Dallas. And Parsons yeah. was basically like, yeah, okay, touche. Like, yeah, you guys, who who is a Dallas Cowboys player to come out saying Cleveland is Cleveland? You're the, you are the joke of the playoffs every year as yeah. the Cowboys.
3: I I, know, I I always say it every year. If you're not first, you're last sitting with the rest of us. Might as well go play some golf, right? That's right. Uh, the The – when he said that, I don't know if you saw that, but first thing is Najoku just like snaps. Yeah, like, he got tense. And did you see it? Like Tyreek, Tari- he's like
2: Tyreek. Oh, yeah, he was like, "Hey, thing. man," he's like, "Are you sure you want to say that?" <laughs> and is and
3: when you see those two dogs sitting there, they're about the same size. And in your mind, you think, okay, tight end, uh, linebacker, DN, De- Like you, you think you know Parson might be bigger, dude. But I think they're about the same. David's you huge. Know? He's a huge man. I would not want to make that guy angry. And he looked <laughs> pissed, right? Yeah. Because he's sick and tired of it, just like you and I are sick and tired of it, right? Yeah. And uh yeah, he he let him have it. It was a good, it was a good Dallas's Dallas. I mean, maybe we should start making that hashtag after this. I think
2: it's gonna be. Nice. I think it's gonna be a thing coming out of this. And it was funny because I mean, and, and Joku makes a great point that Hey, like we're both here, man. Like we're both at the Pro Bowl. You know, both of these teams had great seasons. Both had great players that are here at the Pro Bowl. I'm here. You're here. Like, why are we, why are we going back to this old BS narrative? And you know, Tyree Kill was sitting there. He's like, he's got a good point, bro. Like we all here. You know, and
3: yeah, they all one and done.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I looked, and you know, Parsons in his career with Dallas has one playoff win, and and Joku in Cleveland has one playoff win. So. I mean, there's. I don't really understand where he's getting off. He's just kind of running his mouth would be my thing, but he's kind of making himself look foolish, looking a little bit like a clown. I've seen a lot of that going around online, but just the chief taking taking offense to that and saying, no, you're not going to talk about Cleveland and the Browns like that anymore. And like I think Blake put on Twitter, he said, I didn't think I could love this guy anymore, but... He yeah, just keeps nah, young, doing things that's like, man, I freaking love David Njoku.
3: Yeah, he, man, he, he said the same thing at the end of the Tampa Bay game last year. Uh, he basically right. said, we ain't done yet, you know, and it didn't fire them up enough. They just couldn't, you know, they needed that last two games. that just didn't work out that way.
2: Yeah, so I mean, can, I mean, can you think of another Cleveland Browns player that's taken as big of a turn as David Njoku? I mean, he went from demanding a trade not wanting anything to do with the Browns, not wanting to be here, wanting to play anywhere else, to having a conversation behind closed doors with Kevin and, and Barry coming out and saying, okay, yeah, he fired his agent, got a new agent, stayed in Cleveland, and now he is just on fire. I mean, I, I kind of shouldn't say on fire because that's probably bad for him because he caught himself on fire. Yeah, <laughs> that's
3: kind of, yeah, tongue in
2: cheek there. <laughs> Poor but really though, I mean, honestly, the guy just blew up this year. I mean, he's, he's shown it in years past where he's got this elite ability, but we've just been waiting. like, Dude, can you just put this all together and blow up and just really break out? And he did. He did, and it was yeah. so cool.
3: Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't think of anybody that would have, Uh, been like that. I mean, he has really progressed. It's great to see um, I was on the the bandwagon where I did not want him on the team for a bit. I thought he'd be a better model than he would be a football player, but he's really turned it around and I really respect the guy.
2: It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, the uh, schemes with Ken Dorsey and Kevin Stefanski and the two tight end sets and really utilizing that. I, I don't feel like two tight end sets works too well with the Browns. Do you right now?
3: Uh, not really. I mean, it, not now. I mean, we don't have the personnel for it. Number one, uh, number two, uh, with Nick Chubb, the run game. And sometimes when you utilize that, it means your, your running backs can't catch out of the backfield and at least our, our guys can, which is good. And, um, I just don't think, uh, the, I just don't think the Browns are there right now. Now I would like to see another tight end being drafted mm-hmm. something along the lines of, uh, David Njoku, a really good blocker, a guy that can catch, you know, st- stretch the field four, like four, five, four, five, five speed or something like that. Am I at like those guys get drafted in the first round though? But there could be a jam out there. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe Harrison Bryant, Bryant finds his way with Ken Dorsey and they
2: resign him. I don't know. I mean, Harrison Bryant kind of looked like he was starting to do a couple things there toward the end of the season in that you know wild card game. He he did come out and make some big catches and some big plays, but. Overall, his career development has been very disappointing. Coming yeah. out as the best, you know, the, he won the award for best tight end colleges last year. And then I was so excited. We were all actually really excited when the Browns drafted him because thought he had a lot of potential. And then it was just never realized, you know, could go into why the tight end coach was let go. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. We'll see. They, uh, I know there's a lot of hope and expectation for Tommy Reese, not just to bring in some... You know, play concepts and things like that from the college level, but also to develop players. He's he has been touted as a very good developer of players. I guess, for lack of a better term, that's at least what I've read about him. And you know, that's what we need. Some of these young playmakers on the Browns just have not really, you know, amounted to much.
3: Yeah, and again, it gets back to why those uh, previous coaches were let go. There seems to be no um, depth under what we have as far as uh, above. Average or let's say, let's say good to elite players and. You know, we need that to happen. Now, are they going to gamble and let some of those guys go this year and bring in some new guys? Who knows what's going to happen? We'll see. Um, we'll see what draft picks there are. I mean, they have about eight still again this year. Mm-hmm. Do they need eight? Do they need uh, you know, based on where they are, like twenty-three million dollars over the cap? Uh, we'll see what happens there. But um, I-, I would like to see that tight end set get going because a lot of a lot of teams are
2: doing that. I want to go back in time and I want to look at the Browns historical spending here under the Andrew Barry regime at the linebacker position, because I, I didn't do this for the other positions because I didn't think it was as uh, insightful because the other positions are important to Andrew Barry, to the defense, to to the team. So what's interesting about linebacker, and I believe I've talked about this on a previous show because these numbers look very, very familiar. might've been last off season, 2020, Okay. Andrew Barry takes over as general manager for the Cleveland Browns. And in 2020, now he's inheriting a roster. He's inheriting cap situation, all that stuff. So that year, the team allocates 8% of the total cap to the linebacker position. It was $18.3 million to that position that season. In 2021, that 8% dropped in half down to 4%, and the Browns only spent $4.8 million at the linebacker position. In 2022, just 4.3% of the cap at the linebacker position, $9.3 million. And here in 2023, the Browns spent 4.93% of the cap, so closer to 5, at the linebacker position, and it was $12.4 million. So I like to do the percents and the numbers because... You know, in 2020, 18.3 million was 8%. In 2023, 12.4 million was only 4.9%. So that's because the cap number, the overall cap number goes up and changes year to year. But the percent is what's important. So when it all started with AB, that the Browns were at 8%. Then he dropped it down to four, stayed at 4.3. And then this past year it was still in the fours at 4.9. So these are numbers that I want you to keep in mind. And, and as we go through this episode, keep in mind for the end, pay attention to the contracts that I list out for each of the guys on this episode because we're going to take just a brief, quick look at some players who could fit that bill for the Browns in 2024 free agency coming up at the linebacker position. So, again, just, just kind of keep that 4% cap, and you know, allocation, and then we'll talk about, you know, contract numbers for these guys. So, number one. Primo, pretty much Uno, the only guy we're going to be diving very, very deep into today. The stud. The absolute breakout season for Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. J.O.K., because that is much easier to say. Six foot two, 221 pounds. Born in Virginia. His father, though, is of Ghanaian descent, which that's why you see J.O.K. dressed in the Ghanaian clothing before and after the games. He strongly embraces that heritage. It's pretty cool. It's just you know it, it's something that if you see him you know in some, I don't know for lack of a better term, strange looking, different kind of, uh, of attire, you know, a lot of these guys rolling in these fancy suits and and what have you. but he definitely uh, sticks to those those roots of his his heritage, which is pretty cool. I, I think it's it's neat, and it brings you know just more character to the to the team. It's a fun thing to look at, talk about. I actually got to meet J.OK up at training camp last summer. So uh, on the screen here, if you're watching on YouTube, here's the picture of me and JOK after practice. And I, he was just an all-around cool guy. Really cool dude. Um, I, I played and highlighted his comments that he made in the press conference before the uh, wildcard game against the Texans that week leading up to it. And just the comments he made in that press conference, just, it, it was just leadership he exhibited leadership so strongly and i just felt like he was so focused so dialed in ready he was just preparing and ready mentally and physically for that game and it showed because guess who was the only player on defense to show up in the wild card game jok so he played uh college ball at notre dame in 2020 he won the butkus award for the best linebacker in the country He ended up being a second-round pick, 52nd overall in 2021 by the Browns. All draft season, he was projected as a first-rounder. Every mock draft we did, he was always going in the first round. He was a a first-round selection type of guy. I mean, he he was coming out of college with that sort of pedigree. But he ended up slipping in the draft into the second round where the Browns were able to move up. Uh, I should have looked this up. I forget. It was like two spots or four spots or something like that to snag him. And the reason he dropped primarily was because he had a heart concern that came up just before the draft. And, you know, there were probably already teams that liked him, but maybe had some simmering doubts just because he had like a smaller size teams weren't hundred percent sure where he was best going to fit in the NFL because he's not your prototypical linebacker size. He's not really built like a prototypical safety. So, where's this guy going to slot in in the NFL? So, if teams had a little bit of concern about that and then the heart issue comes up during the the late draft process, that that caused him to slip out of the first round, which is great because the Browns were able to snag him and boy, we were excited when when the Browns got him and just did not feel like Joe Woods was really using him to the best of his potential. And then you know, I talked a lot about JOK and Grant Delpit's potential with Jim Schwartz last offseason coming in. And those two guys had phenomenal seasons. JOK obviously named a Pro Bowl alternate and then ended up being a Pro Bowl replacement in the Pro Bowl this season. So great for him. It was awesome to see. He just had such an electric season. And I just, just big things in the career ahead for JOK. So like I said at the beginning, keep that 4% cap allocation to the linebacker position in mind. You heard what I said about each of these guys' contracts, their cap hits, you know, over the last few years. And if we're going to look at any of these 2024 free agents at the linebacker position, to to stick with the trends of this front office and Andrew Barry, we've got to be looking, you got to scroll down. If you're going to pull up one of these free agent lists, you got to scroll down, get to the guys who are probably going to be under the $3 million threshold, one-year deal type of guys just like we did with walker Taki Taki, and you know looking at what their 2023 contracts were some of these notable players to look out for on my list here we've got denzel perryman from houston he's 31 years old played in 12 games last season we've got oren oren book Bu- oh my gosh can you say it oren burks a uh middle linebacker from the San Francisco 49ers played in 15 games. He's almost 29 years old. And we've got Zach Cunningham from Philadelphia, 29 years old, playing 13 games last year with Philly and a guy like Shaq Leonard going to be 29 years old, uh, played in 14 games last year, Philly and the Colts. So these are some of the names and, and we'll go more into free agent possibilities at each position as you know, the, the months go on here, getting closer to free agency and all that stuff. But, as far as the Browns are concerned, positionally, this is like the where they spend the least amount of their money is at linebacker. So outside of JOK, it's not a very exciting position. And JOK is JOK because he is more of a hybrid type of player. And I do expect the Browns to break the mold, buck the trend, and pay JOK bigger money than they have historically at the linebacker position because of what he can do. Not just... I, I'm having a hard time explaining this. I am I apologize, guys. The Words are not coming to me. He's just... He is not your prototypical middle linebacker, big, beefy dude that's just going to stand back there and play center field. That's not his position. He is an outside linebacker. He is a good coverage guy. He's a, a fly-around-the-field type of player. And I think that... The Browns already bucked the trend with JOK originally when they used a second round pick to draft him. They don't invest high draft capital in the linebacker position either, but they did so with him. So I do expect them to invest, you know, contract dollars into and cap space into JOK. This episode is brought to you by Manly Bands. Browns fans, I have an exciting new sponsorship partner for you guys, and it is crazy how it all happened. Okay, so I'm getting married soon. I went to pick out my wedding band. I did not know that the cost of gold was the highest it's ever been. So, you know, when the rings I, I liked and they pulled out of the case and showed me and I, I turned it over, saw the price tag and they were $1,600. Yeah, I essentially crapped my pants and ran out of there. I hate jewelry stores. I hate the salespeople. I hate the selection. We went and again, true story here, seven different stores looking for a ring and all of them had the most pathetic selection imaginable for men. So I said, screw it. I went to manlybands.com and everything after that point was an incredible experience. Their selection is huge. All sorts of styles, materials. Guys, they have wedding bands made from Jack Daniels whiskey barrels, meteorites, and even dinosaur bones. They also have a huge selection of the tungsten rings that everybody likes, cobalt chrome, and gold. And the best part was the customer service was some of the best I've ever received. In a world of AI and bots, Manly Bands keeps it real with real freaking people. The whole experience was so awesome, I asked if we could advertise for them on the show, and here we are. Screw those jewelry stores, and those salespeople. Manlybands.com. Use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S for a whopping 25% off your order. Whether you've already got a band or you're getting married in the future, check out what they have. Also, you can order a free ring size guide and they'll ship it straight to you. So you know exactly what size ring you need. And again, never step foot in a jewelry store. And also for you big fellows with the big hands guys, they got rings up to size 20 rings come with free engraving in the U S and they send you a free silicone band with your order. It's unreal. These guys are the best Manlybands.com, promo code dogs for 25% off your order. Bill Callahan leaving. It's obviously
4: a hit to the Browns. Um, (laughs) I do find it funny though, that maybe, maybe this happens in other fan bases. Um, but, in, it, like, he left, and it was like the sky was falling online. Like, uh, we'll never recover from this. Damn it. And I <laughs> – listen, we are huge Bill Callahan fans. Yes. We know what he's done for the Browns this year and throughout his years being in Cleveland, uh, getting some of these practice squad players to play at a level where we can be competitive and make the playoffs when we're on fourth and fifth string tackles. But does any other team – like, do? They, do other teams when they lose – offensive assistant coaches like not even coordinators they're losing an offense do other teams fans like lose their minds about this kind of stuff or is this just a cleveland thing i mean
5: i mean i feel like that's a two-part question but uh (laughs) i would say so is it a is it a tough loss yeah absolutely he's probably one of the best offensive line coaches in the game right now i i I don't think that we would argue that correct he's very very good at what he does some of the guys that he's gotten prepared over the last few years just to come in i mean who was it? Blake Hance was doing snaps in a parking garage <laughs> yeah. and he played, you know, starter reps. Um, it, it, it is a, it's a tough loss, but I, I don't think like it has to be sky is falling, especially when you look at like the resume of this, uh, Andy Dickerson guy. Correct. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I like some of the things that I've seen about him, former uh, Browns coach, but, um, what he did last year with Seattle, um, Josh kind of sent out some stuff about it too. He had a rotation, basically almost like Cleveland did in Seattle. And you look at what they were able to do with their running Tech Now, Kenneth Walker is, he's nice. He's a special kid. He's young. But I think that he did a hell of a job in Seattle. So for me, I'm more of excited at the opportunity to see what this kid can do, you know, as far as coaching these guys up. It's not like we have a bunch of scrubs. I mean, there's some talent on our offensive line. So uh, I'm excited for it.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, if we're going to move kind of into the, the resume of dickerson i kind of made some notes here so like you said with the cleveland browns from mm-hmm. 2009 to 2010 defensive quality control coach and then he turned into the off- or the assistant offensive line coach then he became the assistant offensive line coach for the rams from 2012 to 2020 he was there when they played in that uh they played the patriots in the super bowl in 2018 he actually has a super bowl ring coaching with the patriots back in 04 back then he was just an operations assistant but uh, he was hired as the run game coordinator, which I thought was interesting considering how bad our run game was this year. So run game coordinator in Seattle, then promoted to the offensive line coach in 2022, kept that position in 23. And we've talked about him on this show, Brad Moneymaker in the Discord saying, hey, who is this guy? <laughs> he is the first guy that the Browns brought in to interview for the open offensive coordinator position this offseason, like immediately. And when we started looking ahead at the p- probability that Brian Callahan was going to get hired, Bill Callahan would probably want to go coach with him. Yeah. Then the fact that they brought Andy Dickerson in for the OC position all started to make sense. It was like, they're getting ahead of the game here. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in the guy that they want if, and when Callahan leaves. And that's exactly how it played out. I think an int- before
5: i you know, if you fire off, Blake. I think an interesting thing with Callahan that I heard though was he was pretty much a big organizer and in charge of basically all of our screen game offense, which I think that's another aspect that like we do that a lot. We do that well. So I think that's something interesting. We'll see how that translates with this new offense going forward. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think sky's falling and you know, good for him. I don't blame him for wanting to go and coach for his son.
4: And, And yeah, I mean, Bill Callahan, He's probably only got a few years of coaching left, you would imagine. He's, He's not going to be in the league yeah. forever. He's an older guy. He's obviously he wants to go and help his son, make sure his son's going to be successful. Yeah. Like, if you're a, a dad, how cool is that to watch your son become a head football coach in the NFL, and you have a chance to go help ensure his success, you're obviously going to want to do it. Uh, in talk. I saw some comments in in on, on Twitter, or X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, in our YouTube comments talking about they couldn't believe the Browns let him just walk, didn't try to get any compensation for the lateral move. Where do you guys stand on why? this? Because in my opinion, you don't – why would you block that? If you're Cleveland and you block that, that's a terrible look. But you let him go. I mean, Bill Callahan's been in this league forever. So yeah. he's got connections and people know him. So now you let him leave. You let him leave on good terms. You, you encourage it, in fact. And now when somebody says – they go to call Bill and they say, hey, Cleveland's reaching out. You were there. What What do you think is an okay place to go work? Oh, it's great. They were awesome when I was there. When I wanted to leave, they let me off. No problems. They were super encouraging. That This is how you build a reputation around the league. If you block that, something like this, you just look – it's a bad look.
5: I think you nailed it. I, I think that, that they've built a culture and a locker room and, you know, that guys want to come in. You saw Joe Flacco. Hey, you know, this is, this is one of the best teams, you know, as far as locker rooms and – that I've been involved with I think it does it kind of leaves a bad taste you know when you go oh well hey we're blocking this guy from going and coaching with his son Uh, to me I never even thought that was even going to be an option I thought that would be such a just a bad look for the Cleveland Browns so I just as soon as I saw it I was like well maybe there's a chance that he doesn't leave you know but I think like if you look at the like read the tea leaves and everything like it makes sense why wouldn't you want to do that especially like that's every father's dream, you know, especially for him probably going through the ranks of coaching and stuff like that to see his son get an opportunity. I mean, I don't, to me, I don't think it's that crazy. I don't think, I think you nailed it. It just, it, it would be such a bad look for the Browns.
4: Yeah, it, it would be a terrible look for the Browns. Um, and we're like you said, we were building the, we're trying to go from the place where, the only people who come to Cleveland are people who are trying to get their foot in the door, or they've their last check ass everywhere else, you know, <laughs> or they need a check. Like we're trying to change that in Cleveland. I think Kevin Stefanski said it's a uh, it's a unique situation. He didn't want to block it. Yeah. So yeah. It,
2: well, and Kevin's remarks about it was he was very. You just you know that they they knew it was coming. And they were all on board with it. They were all okay with it. I don't think it was a big deal whatsoever. I mean, Kevin even said, it's every kid's dream to be able to go to work and boss your dad around, yeah. <laughs> you know? And he yeah. just laughed about it. Like this, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the NFL is still a business. It's a, you know, it's a job, but there's a lot of brotherhood and family ingrained in what these guys do. And that's all, I mean, that's why the Browns culture, like you said, is just night and day from what it used to be. Yeah.
4: Um, so... That was. I thought that was something uh, interesting to talk about. I obviously want to mention Dickerson and what he did in Seattle, and then I also just want to address the comments in terms of like of Bill Callahan leaving. I think the only thing I was slightly surprised when they announced he was leaving because reports had come out that that he wasn't going to leave. We'd made him one of the highest paid assistants. We were very protective of him. He loved it here. We loved having him here. So it looked like one of those things where. It wasn't going to happen, and then two days later,
2: they said he was leaving. So um, I think that was a lot of the media too, because the, the media was back and forth on the well. Callahan's probably going to go. Never mind. They're being very defensive of him, and it's like, don't you guys just wait and see what happens. You yes. know. Um, um, but real quick, I was going to hit Andrew Jackson's question from the chat. Said, "Did Bill Callahan improve Jed Wills? If so, how bad was he then?"
5: interesting,
2: And we've talked about this on the show before, yeah. you know, and a lot of people will point to, yeah, Callahan did good things with a lot of players, but Jed Wills never really amounted to much. And I've said before, what if he did? <laughs> like, what if this is the most you could get out of Jed Wills? And Bill Callahan did it. You know what I mean? We, we don't know.
4: It's, it, we'll see. It's one of those things too where, I almost feel bad talking about a, a poor Jed Wills play because right before the injury this year, it almost appeared like he was turning a corner. I picked it yeah. up. You know what I mean? Agree. Like, it's like uh, night and day, all of a sudden, his effort seemed like sky high. And we've always been, I won't call us Jed Wills defenders, but we haven't let people just say he's been a bust because we've talked about how the dude came in as a rookie, solidified the the left side of the the defensive line. And has he been, you know, top 10 pick worthy? Maybe not, but he's still been above serviceable starting left tackle in this league. Um, So I'm not willing to call him a bust. Now, has he been everything we want him to be? Has he been Tristan Wirfs? No. No. Okay. But, man, it really seemed like he was starting to turn a corner last year before the injury, so I felt really bad for the guy. So I don't want to just jump on here and bash Jed Wills as he – it looked like he was really starting to come around as a – as right before the injury, kind of like our entire team.
2: There's one thing we wanted to mention at the coaching discussion. I just want to throw it out there for everybody who, not in the news cycle today, but the Browns have hired the Eagles assistant offensive line coach, Roy Isvan, to be the new assistant offensive line coach because Scott Peters, who was Bill Callahan's assistant offensive line coach, left to go join Alex Van Pelt in New England. So I'm pretty sure that Scott Peters either thought or wanted the offensive line coaching position after mm-hmm. callahan left and i don't i think the writing was on the wall i don't think that that was ever in the cards considering they brought dickerson in from the beginning yeah to interview him so kind of makes sense peters leaves to go to new england that's fine this guy from the eagles though um i was doing a little bit of research on him today i think they said like 30 plus years in college he was an offensive coordinator for five different college teams has the last five years in the NFL with the Eagles as their assistant offensive line coach? They had his, one of the
4: best offensive lines in of yeah. football.
2: And his first year there was when Andrew Berry was there, so there's some fami- familiarity there. Like these guys know each other. I don't. Know, I think the Browns got it. Sucked that Bill Callahan left, but bringing in Dickerson and now Isfan to be his assistant, I think the offensive line could be pretty good. Yeah, and and it's a good thing for the run game. The the Browns in
4: general, be. with all their coaching hires, it sucked losing Stump. You know, the Van Pelt thing is what it is. I, I wasn't too, I mean, seems like a great guy, but he wasn't bringing anything different to the table. I think Ken Dorsey could end up being a home run hire. I think some people are starting to warm up to that idea. I think Deuce Staley is a great hire. I think Dickerson, along with the, the new assistant, is another. I feel like the Browns have really done a good job revamping their staff in the offseason.
2: Yes, 100% agree. It's been a, I think they've done a really good job so far. I'm happy with it. Which is kind of on par for Andrew Barry every offseason. Him and then Kevin